the healing, the, the journey after they had passed away that kind of helped you? Like maybe something that somebody said or uh, a way that people showed up for you? Um, I feel like what's particularly helped me is, so it's still relatively a bit new for me um, mm-hmm. uh, because my mom, Elijah Hama, she passed away last oh, yeah. year. I feel like what's really helps me is just hearing other people's um, stories about my mom. For example, like the day of her, uh, like in a burial or mm-hmm. like even after, there was an auntie in the community who kind of came up and she mentioned that she, you know, she was struggling financially to kind of like you know, pay her rent and her sister had been supporting her, you know, for quite a while and her sister uh, had just admitted to her that it was in fact my mom um, kind of paying through the sister um, for her friend's rent um, like she was doing it anonymously so um, just like hearing that one story um, or like just recognizing other ways my mom has impacted people financially without them maybe knowing um, yeah so that was very comforting to hear um, that's what I feel like kind of um, you know really helped me so yeah I would have to I would have to agree with that and take expand on that with my own personal experience with my with my mom I mean her strength of character was so powerful and impactful that people Mm. today still remember her because the effect that she had on them was so profound because Mm. she was a woman of incredible virtue she spoke she did not want to hear any gossip about anybody she was diagnosed with cancer when when I was 12 and so she knew you know her time was coming and her her strength of character in the face of death mm. was something that every person that she came across remembers her fearlessness and mm. her fierceness because how do you and I think about this and I and I think she's a warrior in that sense because how do you look at your two young kids one you know one is 12 and the other Mm -hmm. is 16 Mm -hmm. you know my Mm -hmm. older brother and how do you know that you're going to leave these two behind and and do that and have so much faith in Allah that Mm -hmm. they're going to be taken care of without you know in these developmental years without these decisions Mm -hmm. you know she had to make and fearlessness. I think that's interesting that you talk about. I think there's different types of parental death. Like my father passed away without any warning, and I, yeah. I, you know, had that ability to say goodbye or whatever it is that people say goodbye looks like, yeah. right? Because I don't even know what that looks like at all. Yeah. And I think like a lot of people say that you know one way is easier than the other, and it's both equally hard. You know, it doesn't matter what what you know whatever anybody else can say. If you have not experienced it, you can't really speak on it. Yeah. See, for that journey, I think of healing. It's in the journey. It's not. It's not that you're gonna reach a point where you're like, oh, I've come to terms with it. But mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. I guess time goes on. It's gonna get better. Yeah. But that doesn't mean necessarily that you're gonna get over it in the same way that people say, oh, you need to get over it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like along those lines, mm-hmm. um, it's not necessarily like quote unquote getting better. It's yeah. more so you're yeah. just learning how to live with that um, you know in a better way Mm -hmm. Um, because as each day goes on um, I feel like I miss my mom a lot more as like time goes on because um, like the really good memories I have of her become a lot more distant 
yeah, um, yeah. from like you know when she was actually alive. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know as the memories grow like you know apart a little bit more and a little bit more distant mm-hmm. I realize that like you know I, I ache like to remember them a little bit more clearly mm-hmm. or you know and it's just like I miss her a lot more as the days goes on mm-hmm. as the days go by yeah. um, and as the days do go by you just learn how to deal with it in a better way and like you know live your life yeah. um, even though it may never get easier like it may just like continue being a struggle can be 10 years later, it could be 15 yeah. years later, and you can feel the potency of that emotion to the same degree yeah. as you felt it. And it comes in waves, and I feel like a Absolutely. lot of people would tell me that, like, I didn't really know my father, or I didn't, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be grieving my father, I was eight years old, like, how did I remember him, or how did I, I didn't really have a father, I, like, I wasn't able to experience a father compared to somebody who would have been older, and I feel mm-hmm. like I kind of felt like there was a burden that was placed upon me to make sure my father's memory was alive mm-hmm. and that his name was spoken about and that and I felt like my mom was constantly seen as you know as like our family was was broken it wasn't full mm-hmm. and the way community and society you know would look towards was very very hard mm-hmm. what was something somebody close to you like perhaps it was the day of the genocide or something that somebody said to you or did for you that you were like whoa like that's exactly what I needed and I would do that for somebody else because I know that really helped me. Something I found interesting was right afterwards, a lot of people were reaching out to give their condolences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, it was interesting because it was difficult for, for some people to do that because mm-hmm. they didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. calling and some of them were just like, dude, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. Yeah. You know? And then mm-hmm. I remember one of the most powerful calls I got was from my friend Sud. He, he called and he was just like, did not let me get a word in. He was like, Salaam I know you're going through a lot. I don't want to take your time. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And he hung, he hung up the phone. Like, quote, like, I didn't, I didn't get time to say Waikum Salaam. So hung up the phone on me. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and it was like, you need space. Yeah. I'm letting you know I'm here. I'm giving you that space. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was one of the, one of the wisest ways of giving condolences to, to me. Mm-hmm. Because I thought other people get on the phone and there's like, dude, I'm sorry. And there's a long pause. And I'm like, I'm what trying to I grieve. Do I don't have time to navigate this yeah, for you, bro. Sure. You gotta figure that out. Sure, like, I don't sure, have time sure. for this right now. Yeah. So. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, you know? So then you're apologizing for the other person, mm-hmm. you know? But they'd be like, you know, I'm sorry your dad died. What are you supposed to say? Like, oh, it's okay? Like, I'm thanks. sorry too. Yeah, uh, like, I appreciate, yeah. like, thank you so much. Like, yeah. and I think that's that, that shift of the burden happens, Absolutely. and then it's no longer about the person grieving. It's more about the person who's making the statement. And I think that's where, where the problem lies a lot with our conversations about grief, right? Mm-hmm. We go to Genesis prayers, you know, for people that are close to us. We, we, we pray in that moment. But then who's there for the families like, you know, at the one year anniversary mm-hmm. or months later or when, you know, they're struggling that you, you can see that families are struggling. You can see that children are struggling, but are you there for them then? Or are you just there when all the community is together yeah. to show, you know, a, a solidarity form of respect? Yeah. And I think that's what gets missed. And I feel like the community that I experienced when I was younger, my personal community was not there for me, but actually like random neighbors were there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I was talking to Seda about this also, and I like my mom, she's a teacher. And so random teachers would be there and they'd be supporting and bringing over food and doing all these different things. And because they kept showing up and they kept bringing food and just being there, yeah. it was just amazing. And it wasn't like, talk about your feelings. Like we're just going to be here. Yeah. We're going to be here. We're going to show up. We're going to like clean your kitchen. We're going to pick up, drop your kids, yeah. cut your lawn. And we're just not going to ask for anything. We're just going to show up. And that was what my mom needed. And that's what made her like be able to not go into a deeper depression. Mm -hmm. Each person needs something different. Yeah. And also ask, is this somebody that you would just show up at their house? Like, you know, like, is this somebody you would do that for? 
Is this something that you're doing just because it's political to do that? It's almost like the ten, the five-year check-in or the ten-year check-in. Yes. How is the family doing? Yes. What are the repercussions of the, the loss of such mm-hmm. an important figure? How is that person holding emotionally? Yeah. One thing that I liked was I had a, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. someone I've become closer friends with. We weren't, we weren't very... We weren't very good friends at that point. We were just Facebook friends, but mm-hmm. she had also lost her father. And right away, she like reached out and sent me a Facebook and said, "You know, I sadly I went through the same thing." So yeah. she was just kind of giving yeah. some tips. And then there were some other people who also lost parents, and they're saying that one thing to keep in mind is that um, I remember um, Sister Busma, she was from Bethel now when she was mentioning that she said mm-hmm. that it's gonna get harder as time goes on. Mm-hmm. So we just talking about for my mother because she was saying right now like your house is full right yeah like like, yeah. Her, like your mom's family is there like your yes. neighbors are there random yes. people they don't met are in your house right yeah. mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. like they're providing comfort for her but in a week in two yeah. weeks in a month they're going to be gone they right but the feelings are going to be there yeah so like that's yeah. when you have to be there for your mom yeah and i thought that was i thought that was incredibly powerful and then that friend who i lost her father she told me she goes one thing you can experience now is gonna be a lot of firsts right yeah. like you're having yeah. your first like my mom had her first ramadan without her husband yes she had her first eid without her husband yes. right yes. and then we like after eid like you know you take your family pictures right and it's like mm-hmm. oh there's one less person in the photo now you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. navigating all this to, to remind yourself that yeah time's gonna get better but things will be triggering in the future so you're hitting the nail on the yeah. head with that so be prepared now there's so many firsts that you know, graduation from yeah. college and graduate and marriage or yeah. anything, and there's it's always going to be laced with that that feel. It's like that bittersweet feeling of you know there's some some big element missing here, mm-hmm. and that's something to cope with as well. And and I mm-hmm. think that I think the support that you know I receive from my friends and my community on the days that are supposed to be the good days, mm-hmm. 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 it's they recognize that it's laced with some hardship too and, and mm-hmm. I appreciate those so much with those things. So speaking of first, how was the first, you know, maybe it was the first Ramadan or maybe the first, you know, um, Eve, like, you know, one of the first without that parent in your life. How did you navigate that? How, how like, if somebody else is listening to this, trying to figure out how to get the courage to get through that and they're freaking out and they're going through such a deep internal spiral, like, what was the first that you had that you were able to figure out how to navigate one thing i just wanted to point out was mm-hmm. like i feel like i experienced a lot of similar um, experiences you all mentioned mm-hmm. um one thing that really uh did kind of stand out um that had a good impact on me was uh, my family all the way in like fresno california which mm-hmm. is like the middle of nowhere yeah. <laughs> um and it's like you know la is like four hours south the Bay Area is like four hours north yes yes, yes. um and um what what really I guess made me feel good the day of my mom's chinaza was um, like there were tons of friends from the Bay Area and mm-hmm. LA mm-hmm. who didn't even necessarily know my mom directly who showed up for yeah. me um, mm-hmm. and of course like for my mom so like that was definitely comforting mm-hmm. um, and just kind of like watching um, like you know the Muslim community of Fresno just like you know rolling out mm-hmm. like being very supportive mm-hmm. you know, that was definitely like a, a comforting aspect of it um, in terms of like the um, first, I guess, experience uh, without my mom. Um, so this is this is kind of unique. Um, yeah. I know uh, my mom; she had been uh, diagnosed uh, with stage four breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about like a two year, um, two year, you know, process yeah. uh, and like you know struggle. And one of the promises my dad had made to my mom 
entire entire family was, um, you know, as soon as my mom heals, you know, our entire family would go for Umrah, um, you know, which would be the first time for us to go to Umrah as a family, because uh, mm-hmm. it had been my mom's wish for a few years before she was diagnosed, but yeah. we just never kind of got to it, yeah. and. Um, you know, like my mom, like she passed away, um, mm-hmm. like early last year, and uh, you know, my dad, he, in order to kind of honor uh, like the wish, um, he was like, we're still gonna go for Umrah mm-hmm. um, as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're gonna do Umrah on your mom's behalf as well, mm-hmm. and like it'll be a healing process for us, um, but then also just to kind mm-hmm. of live up to that promise. So, um, yeah. so in a way, it was very, it was definitely healing. Um, but at the same time, it was extremely emotional because mm. the Umrah that was intended to be our first Umrah as an entire family mm. um, wasn't because mm. um, my mom wasn't physically there. Yeah. Um, so, like, inshallah, we do plan on, like, you know, going to, like, another Umrah, mm-hmm. maybe a few more as a f- family together, inshallah, just because inshallah. of how powerful that experience was. Yeah. Uh, but just knowing that the first one we experienced together without my mom mm. was definitely um, difficult. And as rewarding as that uh, Umrah experience was, alhamdulillah, it was just one of the most emotional experiences mm-hmm. as well. I think that that would have been such a, a beautiful gift wherever she is for her to receive. Mm-hmm. And if you if you were able to do an Umrah for her in her name, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would have been like the greatest gift that you can give to her mm-hmm. for her to receive. My 14th birthday was a month after my mom passed away and I was um, a freshman in high school so it was tough to experience that first birthday without her I'm supposed to be happy today but I'm not I'm not okay mm-hmm. and then my dad and I luckily we were so <laughs> we had such a beautiful relationship with one another in terms of being open, being able to cry, and mm-hmm. being able to just sit at the table and just bawl our eyes out <laughs> and, and heal and process together, which was so beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that really, really helped that release. There was, there was actually emotional release because mm-hmm. there was all the blockages that were occurring every single day and to release them and purge them through tears was cathartic, mm. you know, absolutely cathartic. Um, and then one thing that really stood out was that when I reflected very deeply about my whole experience of my mom's diagnosis, and similar to um, your case, Heather, um, my mom also had like a two-year window for her life. She was also diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, but mm. ver- very early stages, uh, yeah. probably stage one, but it was yeah. a very aggressive cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of took over that role of a caretaker. Like we switched mm-hmm. roles in terms of mother and daughter. I kind of became caretaker and mama became became my my little angel that mm-hmm. I needed to, to take care of. And yeah. through that process, mm-hmm. we became very, very close. And mm. I had the privilege and the honor of her asking me to do her whistle for her. Mm-hmm. And to have, you know, your your 13-year-old daughter mm. do that for yeah. you is, is, is tough. And a lot of people had mixed feelings about me be, being the one. Mm. But mm-hmm. in hindsight, 
that was the greatest gift I could have received because mm -hmm. after her whistle was done, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everybody who saw her face said mm -hmm. that she had a smile on her face mm -hmm. and her body was light and it, her her burial happened within hours after her passing, which is mm. a big blessing, mm -hmm. you know, because she retained her, her beauty and her radiance. Mm. And I think when I thought back to that and I reflected back, I said, I have no regrets. Allah took her in the most beautiful way. Mm. Why do I need to feel sad? You know, my sadness was for me. It wasn't for, it wasn't for any. Yeah. yeah, it was my own process of mm -hmm. feeling mm -hmm. sad. That, yeah, I think that's an interesting um, point you made because similarly for ourselves, yeah. um, you know the the sadness we experienced, like my brothers, myself, my dad. Um, it was at the end of the day, it was mainly for ourselves. And when we think about our mom's perspective, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. one thing she, towards like you know the very end, like one thing she would always point out is. Um, like, you know, make sure you guys are smiling and um, like she would obviously we knew behind closed doors mm -hmm. She was going through a very emotional process mm -hmm. herself mm -hmm. But in front of us um, She kind of always uh, You know echoed about like, you know, just staying positive and just uh, you know that just kind of resembled Resilient and like, you know fierce and strong woman she was mm -hmm. and how she just kind of wanted to Keep on just you know spreading positivity and love um, regardless of the situation like she absolutely did not like it when like one of us cried or like you know when we expressed sadness um you know she worked with us to kind of understand and accept reality and kind of understand how she was feeling and how she was thinking about um like mentally how she was preparing for for like what was eventually you know going to come um and at the end of the day like you know the sadness is you know really just us um, whereas she was like, you know, like looking forward um, to like, you know, meeting her Lord, um, mm. like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. Um, and she wasn't drowning in her own sadness, like 100% yeah. either, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. So, Robbie, I have a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of switching roles uh, yes, a little, but yes, I think yes, your yes, insight yes. would be amazing. I appreciate you. So, how do you, how do you think that the difference? What do you think the difference is of losing a father as opposed to losing a mother mm -hmm. has on the emotional mm -hmm. impact of a, of, of a person? Yeah, it's so interesting because it's like, you know, like one minute, I think it's also how I think like, you know, like the type of loss as well. Because mm -hmm. I feel like for me, like one minute I had my father and one, the next minute I didn't. And then me being a female and then say you being like a male and what that looks like as well. Mm -hmm. and. And I had to, I, I had to kind of co-parent, like I had to step up and be like the husband, to be the, the second person there that was helping my mom through everything. And so I couldn't really experience a lot of my grief until I was like in university when I was far away from, from, uh, from NorCal and I could actually uh, navigate throughout all of it. But it's interesting because I, 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 I ask, the questions that, I, that I, I ask you guys, I think about a lot. I ask a lot of people when I lead these grief groups. And I think like the first moment that I had without my father that I realized that it was the first without was I had a book report project. And I was really upset because Nicole Betancourt picked the, <laughs> picked the teacher book for a career day class. And I wanted to be a teacher like my mom. And so it was between the teacher, the nurse, and the lawyer. 
and it was um, it was it was shortly before he had passed away, which I had no idea that you know he was gonna pass away. And it you know he picked me up from school, and I was like in a mood, <laughs> and I was just like ready to just rant about Nicole Betancourt and you know the fact that her her you know aunt is the vice principal, and that's why she got that book. And then he like was crying to me, and he was just saying, "I always wanted you to be a lawyer. I've always wanted you to be a lawyer. I'm so proud of you. You always have such strength and all that. And I can't wait till you can become one, just like our family back home." And I was like, okay, whoa, like, yeah, dad, like, of course, I want to be a lawyer. Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, this is what I want to do, you know? And I'm just, I'm, I'm so jazzed by it, by, by the attention, right? Like, naturally, at a eight, eight years old, and I look at eight-year-olds, and it confuses me. But then the first was when I had to present that to the class. And when I had to show that, and I said, like, my dad wanted me to be a lawyer, and he had this and all of that. And I, I continued that legacy for him. And then shifted out into a different way to provide help, but I felt guilty because that was my that would have been my 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 moment that I would have shown him that. And I felt like, how can I honor the legacy with the memories that I have, with also still being true to myself and figuring out what that looks like, mm-hmm. especially you know just all of, and growing, <laughs> growing and going to university and figuring all that out. There's so much to it. Say it. How would you say it was for you? You are one of three sons within your family how did how did you navigate like how would you navigate a question like that um i thought it was it was it was interesting because as soon as that role of like a like a like the husband is gone yeah so um it's something i don't know if it's something societal or something kind of something mm-hmm. like nature based but mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. our role kind of takes over where you're like okay there's certain things i have to fulfill now that I guess like your your subconscious that you know, takes over. You're like, yes. okay, we have to yeah. be protective of our mother now, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And and what does that mean? That Stuff things that home. she would be doing, she can't do right now because she's processing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we gotta take care of the death certificate. We gotta mm-hmm. talk to the funeral home. We gotta mm-hmm. like get the the burial planned and everything. Yeah. Um, and I remember something that that happened, and uh, something kind of we all thought about, but uh, our my young like my younger brother who's the youngest, he kind of. Uh, brothers to our attention basically like as my mom was processing we felt like oh she's getting better and like mm-hmm. a day mm-hmm. or two mm-hmm. she, we'd get a phone call from some relative we've never heard of mm-hmm. and then she'd talk and then it kind of like re-trigger her all over again course, right yeah. so at some point my brother was just yeah, like yeah. mom he was like mom you're not allowed to answer the phone mm-hmm. like if a call comes and it's an international number like we're answering it yeah. and he told us he's like tell them that she can't talk mm-hmm. and if they get mad oh well and hang up on them yeah right and so and that's what I think it was like 2019, 20, something like that probably. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think that, I don't know, it it plays different roles because just, yeah. we saw the state that my mom was in, right? Yeah. More like, more like, you need to sit and kind of take care of stuff. I remember like when the, like when the police came to do the, to the police report mm-hmm. and, and like, she was like all over the place and we're mm-hmm. like, mom, just, just, you know, go, go upstairs and, and, uh, and go make with them. And she's like, okay. Right, so you give her kind of things to do, and she was taking care of them. We told, yeah. the, we told the, I remember I told the police officer, we're like, could you hurry this along? We don't know how long we can keep her busy. Like, just yeah, like yeah. fill the report up and let, like, like get out, please. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of interested to hear because I think that's a role that I felt that I had to navigate as a son who had lost a father, and that's how a son would interact with his mother. But mm-hmm. I don't know how, how did you guys kind of navigate um, losing the mother figure in the household? Right now, you have a father. Well, I think, yeah. you know, the societal standard, cultural standards are like, mm-hmm. I have to be the man, I have to kind of like have that, you know, uh, emotional strength, but, you know, we're yeah. all grieving and we're all processing, mm-hmm. but what did that yes. mean as children in the household? Yeah, it's a great question. 
<laughs> I don't want to be rude. So, but I'll go first. <laughs> so, my, my dad is a marshmallow in terms mm-hmm. of his softness. Ten years later, he loved her so much. She was his soulmate. And um, mm-hmm. when my mom passed away, mm-hmm. I felt the burden of taking on my dad's and my brother's emotions. Mm-hmm. Because now I was just left, now there were just men left. And, mm-hmm. and men mm-hmm. who don't necessarily know how to grieve. Men who don't really mm-hmm. know how to express this emotion. I mean, they're navigating it. We're all figuring out how to process this. So my brother had a different way. It looked different for him. Mm-hmm. came out mm-hmm. via frustration. It came out via avoidance. And I mm-hmm. felt like I had to put my feelings aside and be that empathetic caretaker of, of mm-hmm. his emotions and bring them out. And so suddenly I'm sitting with that. And then my dad, who... You know, a, a newly single father mm-hmm. who's who has a little daughter now, mm-hmm. who he, you know, didn't really know. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. He wasn't. He traveled a lot for work. So now, mm-hmm. so and I was a mama's girl, you know. And now it became, <laughs> uh, how do I connect with my young daughter? And yeah. it became a very a, a role reversal because now suddenly. And then, you know, my mom wanted me also to mm-hmm. to take care of Hamza and take mm-hmm. care of this. And, you know, and so it became a lot of pressure on me. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much I was caring at that age. Yeah. And then it's until you get older and you realize mm-hmm. how those, those roles that you played really affected you. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think... Um for my family, it's definitely been tough. Yeah. Um, my mom, she was the only woman in our house. Um, <laughs> and um, she was honestly like the rock of the family. Yeah. Um, you know, um, anytime there was some kind of decision that had to be made about the kids, mm-hmm. about the house, about anything family related, mm-hmm. uh, my dad would make it clear that, you know, uh, my mom's the best person to make that decision. Even emotionally, um, mm-hmm. like, my dad, my older brother, my younger brother, myself, mm-hmm. um, we all um, went to our mom versus to each other. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I think it's, it's um, kind of a known fact that, like you mentioned, um, men generally don't know how to navigate through emotions sometimes. Yeah. So I feel like, mm-hmm. um, you know, men definitely learn from women and in our household, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's how we were connected to our mom, um, you know, like very emotionally. So when my mom passed away, I feel like um, it, it's been a experience connecting with my brothers and my dad in a, in a different way. Mm. Um, I remember a few minutes right after um, my mom had passed away, mm-hmm. uh, my little brother and I were just, um, you know, we were just bawling and we just mm-hmm. had um, a moment where we embraced each other for about five minutes straight, mm-hmm. um, which is something we had never um, done in the past like sure yeah. a quick embrace but a good sign that like you're, we're not all completely emotionally closed off from each other mm-hmm. as days go by um, you know it's still there like I can tell um, you know we're all kind of closed off to each other we don't really talk to mm-hmm. uh, one another about certain things mm-hmm. and uh, you know with our mom not being around there's certain aspects where 
uh, like I'm noticing, you know, when I go back home and visit, yeah. uh, the house is in necessarily in order. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things are just kind of broken, you know, and I feel like it's, yeah. it's very recent. So as a family, we're still yeah. trying to figure out how to move beyond that. Um, mm-hmm. And things are still very emotional for my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, you know, towards the very end, she was wearing um, like one of those gowns and how those gowns come with like um, like that hat type of thing. Yeah. Like a, it's not a beanie, but it's like, you know. From Kimo. Uh, yeah, so um, my dad wears it every single day. Mm. Um, you know, he, uh, and I've, I've made a joke um, now and then about it to him. Like, hey, you know, that's, uh, there's, cause there's obviously flowers on it. So I told him like, you know, why are you wearing that? There's flowers on it, like take it off. Um, and he just kind of looked at me. He mm-hmm. said, "You know, this is one of the best ways for me to remember your mom." And he wears it out proudly. Like, yeah. you know, if he's taking There's a no flight, he's that. wearing it. He's <laughs> going out for like groceries, he's wearing it. Um, so I came to realize, like, you know, that's how he's probably processing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. It's 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 been it's been difficult with just men in the yeah. house um, and no no like motherly or like woman figure there to kind of. Uh, continue teaching us how to navigate through emotions and I think a lot of times it's like people say that you have to cry or have a breakdown in order to have have, you know experienced like okay this person is lost and it's gone so when I was younger um, you know I I didn't have any emotions for it and I repressed it literally from eight years old up until you know 20 that's interesting because that was my best strategy right so it was my best strategy in in order to survive and be a co-parent and to keep my mom stable and and to keep the house in structure and in balance whatever balance looked like was for me to repress and I couldn't express because Mm -hmm. if I expressed then it, it, it would create chaos within the balance and I feel like a lot of a lot of people press or redirect it in a different way. I've known people who haven't cried at all, but they've expressed it in different ways in terms of like they can't even get up out of bed. They can't get out of bed. They lose interest. They don't want to be around people. They like joy seems so different for them. Things that used to make them happy, like now they just like it's completely it's it's a completely different like a shut off feeling. Absolutely. And so I think like a lot of people like say like you know you have to cry about it and then you're over it. But like how are other forms that you guys find to like memorialize your parents? Like what are some ways that you still try to bring? Mm-hmm your parents' memory alive. For me, like, I constantly talk about my father and I am learning this navigation of just how invested my father was in Sufism and mm-hmm. I, like, grab onto anything I can because all I have are my memories and I'm so scared that if I forget those memories, then I, I forget him and I've lost him. So how do you guys, how do you guys navigate, like, memorializing your parent or thinking about them or including them within your day-to-day? I think it's, uh, that's something I'm navigating myself. I still haven't mm-hmm. figured that out. Um, it's uh, it hasn't been too long but just kind of figuring out what that means what that memorialization looks like mm-hmm. um, and I know something incredibly important is is visiting the grave right mm-hmm. and then uh, and then reading du'as for ourselves and for our family mm-hmm. members mm-hmm. and that's something I think that is something my mom takes incredibly um, seriously right mm-hmm. and, and luckily we're very blessed I think an issue that we face as a community is that mm-hmm. a lot of times Muslim graveyards are very far away right yes, from, yes, from us yes. right so it's like yeah. you have to drive out to like palmdale or something for us yeah. for those of us who live in southern california yeah. but alhamdulillah we were blessed that um we were able to find a place in the muslim garden north hollywood so it's yeah. it's very close to us so if we're ever going in that area my mom's like hey you know what we should stop at the grave and we should yeah. and we should recite something yeah. so 
we stop we stop by there That's and then beautiful. it's kind of a, a a family outing we kind of get together mm-hmm. and, and we and we memorialize him in that way and we're mm-hmm. kind of like okay th- this happened and we remember that uh that's not something negative it's not something that takes it away but it's a new beginning and what that means for us uh he's the first one to go on this journey and we're going to come come on that journey eventually mm-hmm. and you know and what, what does that mean for us yeah. and we kind of figure it out um, but kind of a, in a larger way of memorialization we're still I think we're still kind of figuring that out yeah definitely what about the rest of you guys like what does or even the word memorialization or honoring or what people tell you you should be doing like whatever comes up for you so on that on that thing me and my dad and my brother I mean every year like Every month we'll visit her in her gravesite. We'll make it an outing. We'll go to a, our favorite restaurant in OC, <laughs> and we'll which restaurant? Like Alamir Bakery or like <laughs> some like whatever yeah. food yes, that yes. she loved herself. And we visit her, and you know that's our it's our safe space there. I mean, it's so peaceful there. We know we're all gonna end up there. There's a da there that yeah. um, in Arabic. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll translate it in English, but and I might butcher the the translation, so y'all will forgive me if I do. <laughs> but it's from the earth we from the earth you were you were we brought you I brought you from the earth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. into it we restore you yeah. and from it we bring you forth the second time. Mm-hmm. and that just gives me the chills and it's like it's in the Muslim section of the cemetery and every time I go there I just put I take a little plant and I just water her grave and I sit there and I, and I tell her about and I make sure that other people know that they don't need to feel uncomfortable when I'm talking about her because yes, that's yes, a big yes, thing yes, yes. Yeah. I, I agree with that I feel like one thing that definitely helps is you know talking about my mom's stories um, and just being you know comfortable with it and just um you know whenever you know you want to talk about it like Mm -hmm. just uh having that comfort zone where you can like you know mention it like you know through social media or like through um like somebody with somebody in person yeah um yeah but in, in general i feel like what's kind of been my process is um you know whenever um after every prayer like you know like mm-hmm. but I've still been able to maintain mm-hmm. just making like a quick dua for my mom mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like that's something that um, helps me just remember her as mm-hmm. an individual mm-hmm. yeah. um, and um, you know generally whenever somebody asks like you know uh, what can I do for you like yeah. it may not necessarily be directed to the experience I had of losing my mom but yeah. one thing I always make a point to say is um, like you know just keep my family uh, and my mom and your dad as a child, you know, so uh, that's something like, you know, I always tend to like point out. Like one key thing uh, we did last year, my brothers, uh, my dad and I was, um, so we had our first November 20th, which was my mom's birthday uh, without her. And the second one is coming up. And what we what we did was, um, my mom was a huge fan of cheesecakes. So um, every November 20th, we would... Um, Get cheesecake and like you know mm-hmm. just get together as family um and, like you know, just eat so um That's so last year uh, we kind of did that as a family uh and we just like you know shared good stories good memories mm-hmm. funny stories um yeah. about my mom 
that. Let's talk about like a fun memory or a couple that comes to mind for you guys when you think of your your parent. Like the first memory that comes to your mind, maybe. <laughs> my mom was the master joke killer. So <laughs> she had she first of all, I totally inherited this from her. Uh, I I laughed so much before I could even tell the joke, and that was her problem too. Like, and so we'll always like my dad is such a jokester, and my mom was such a not jokester that she had to explain her jokes. So we would like we would talk about how like we we had just had so many memories um, of vacations and family vacations and how my mom would be so embarrassed of my dad at, the, at like a restaurant because my dad had no filter and he would just like make jokes and me and my brother would laugh and my mom was very proper and like no, we would just think of that bad and we'd just start laughing mm-hmm. and it would it would a lot of times be after we cried our eyes out mm-hmm. about it you know and it's just like finding that silver lining mm-hmm. that's beautiful thank you for sharing that I feel like there's there's several <laughs> which um, that I'm still able to like remember and you know just think upon. Um, I I definitely want to share a couple. One of them being um, so growing up, um, you know, uh, in a Daisy family, um, you know, we would we would get more than just uh, like the talk for being grounded or <laughs> being disciplined, right? So. Uh, <laughs> um, my mom had a. <laughs> We're familiar. Yeah, my mom had a, <laughs> So, my mom she had a special yellow plastic spatula, <laughs> uh, you know, which she would uh, use every now and then. So whenever we saw it come out, we'd be like, "Oh no, somebody's in trouble." <laughs> and then, um, there was. Um, oh my god, I love. That. Ever since I could remember, like as a child, like that thing had been in my life. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, yellow plastic spatula. And then um, one time in high school, um, yeah, she yeah, would use yeah. it. To, and then, you know, if, if one of the brothers got in trouble, she'd yeah. like uh, calling the other one like, oh, go, go bring the chapti. She would call the chapti. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so one time, um, I was in high school and I did something like that just like really pissed my mom off. Like whatever I did was obviously like, so super dumb, but um, <laughs> she, she turns to my little brother. She's like, "Go bring the chapti," and um, he goes, grabs it from the kitchen, um, and both of the, my older brother and my little brother just kind of like huddle in the corner, and, like watch what's about to go down. Uh, mm. <laughs> at this point, we we're older, so it was just kind of like funny to us, right? Yeah. Uh, we wouldn't like run around; we'd just like go to our mom, and, like you know, she'd just like smack us with it. Um, so she's like coming over to me, like you know, just like very angry, like you know, like lecturing me. Like, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, she like smacks my shoulder <laughs> and the spatula breaks in half. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And, um, at that moment cracked up, uh, because <laughs> this legendary like spatula, chapti, like my mom would <laughs> no, use, like, bad. you know, for so long mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. finally just kind of ended, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, that's definitely like a fond memory. Um, mm-hmm. whenever I think about it, I always laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> we had um, we have like really powerful experiences together in the car. That mm. that was interesting. We drive. We drive. We like drive around a lot, and um, I remember. I know people talk about this a lot. Where um, especially like like Desi parents, 
have difficulty like telling their kids they're proud of them mm. right it's always like it's like oh you went to the moon but yeah. you know yes, yes, yes. Ahmed said went to Mars you know <laughs> what, are, what, what are you doing you know so oh um, gosh, I think I think those of us that grew up in those households we kind of we're familiar with that experience we're like oh we have to try hard and once we've like you know what, yeah. what? <laughs> it's like <laughs> It's like, you know, so we're trying hard to get that kind of acceptance. Validation, <laughs> right? And it's, and we find it, and I remember I, I, I experienced it one time, it was in the randomest place. I remember I was going to teach a class for youth groups, I was driving, and I'm not sure why my dad came with me, right? So, <laughs> so he was in the passenger seat, and I'm, I'm just driving, like, like to Glendale, so I exit off the 5 freeway, and then there's a lot of traffic, so I exit far from the masjid, mm. and then I'm just taking the side streets, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, like taking side street, taking alleys, like cutting behind all these places. And then I'm just like, and I'm going like probably 65, like on the streets, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we get to the message very quickly. And my dad's just like, wow, you really know how to like, you know how to get around, right? And he was just so impressed that I knew how to like drive without a GPS, right? That I knew how to take mm-hmm. back streets. And, you know, it was a small thing that I was able to get from the freeway to, to, to the message, mm-hmm. you know, without taking the GPS, but it felt like I won the Nobel Prize, you know? It's like, wow, like. And, and I remember, like, the pride in his voice where he's like, I mean, he went and told my mom, he's like, hey, your son, he, can, he knows how to drive. Like, he can, oh. he can, he can, get, around, he can get around now. So, so, just very small things like that, but, like, they have, they carry a good weight to them. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. So, in, in closing, let's talk about, like, you know, just whoever's comfortable kind of sharing it. Like, if you had one more day with your parent, what's something that you would do? I'll go ahead and start it because I thought about this often and, and yeah. for me it's like if I had one more day I feel like I would want him to see that report that I did at, you mm-hmm. know at AJ and I'd want to go and get like mango juice from you know this one cart that was always around the flea market that he would always go to afterwards these like fun deals that he was like always looking so many cool things you know as an engineer I feel like I would just want to like spend the day doing like what he loved and just like following after him mm-hmm. yeah what about you guys um, I feel like for me, so when um, you know, when my mom was diagnosed, you know, I was obviously still here living in LA, mm-hmm. um, and there were a few moments where I thought about you know just quitting my job and just being in Fresno um, full time, mm-hmm. just because um, like my mom she had my my dad, my older brother and I, um, but there's a certain level of comfort she always found when I was when I was around just because I was kind of the mm-hmm. Uh, the individual who would um, like manage her medical case mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and just kind of be aware of like her medication and just making sure everything was kind of on track. Yeah. Um, and um, like you know, she she made it like a obvious point like to not quit my job <laughs> just because mm-hmm. she knew how passionate I was was like for my career and just yeah. kind of um, like you know she was like I still have support alhamdulillah um, mm-hmm. and um, you know I would go. Uh, every weekend I would just drive uh, mm-hmm. down, uh, up to Fresno um, I would head out Thursday night uh, come back like Monday night um, or like you know, Friday, Sunday, whatever mm-hmm. and um, you know if there were some weekends I couldn't make it I would like you know let my mom know like I'm not going to see you this upcoming weekend yeah. But yeah. I, I promise I'll be here the weekend after that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, she would just kind of go with the flow she knew I had stuff to do in LA as well I remember one of the weekends um she was very 
she was just very like trying to be persuasive about me wanting to stay back mm-hmm. um because uh, i had told her i'm not gonna be able to come the upcoming weekend mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Uh, and then she just kind of mentioned no like i really want you to come um like you know try your very best um and you know we'll, we'll chat um i just want to spend more time with you um and sorry <laughs> you know unfortunately i was able to make it out mm-hmm. um and right after that weekend, um, like on Monday or Tuesday, um, <clears throat> my mom had kind of fallen into a coma by then. So, <clears throat> okay, I'm not trying to get emotional. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like um, if there's like one more moment or experience your day I can spend with my mom, um, it would be to have that weekend back. Because mm-hmm. um, I do regret not going like that one weekend that she specifically asked for me to like, go out and like, you know, be there um and she had never done that before like you know she would just be like okay like you can't make it don't worry um so i wish you know if there was that extra time somehow to like bring that weekend back um because who knows what conversations we could have had that weekend um that weekend was literally her her last weekend where she was able to talk before she fell into like a coma and then um, a week shortly after that coma um, she passed away uh, so, for me, I feel like that's what I would want to, uh, like, you know, that's what I would do. Um, mm-hmm. Just take back an extra day or weekend and spend it with her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. yeah, and I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, people use, they say these, you know, the statements of, you know, like, inshallah, you know, they are granted, you know, high space in Jannah, and, you know, and may you guys have supper, and, you know, and all of that, and people comment on Facebook posts, right, and the flooding of that that happens, and the person gets lost, the, the feelings, the, the identity of the person that gets missed, and I think something so beautiful about what you guys created here was that you created conversation and modeling how other people can really talk about these things and be vulnerable and vulnerability doesn't mean you know a full-out crying you know Mm -hmm. breakdown it's conversation it's talking about hard things and whatever it is that that looks like with chai and sweets (laughs) and and a a, a fuzzy carpet (laughs) and comfortable very soft pillows and so um what would you what would you say to somebody? Let, let's 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 shift it a little bit. What would you say to people out there who <clears throat> feel that they feel alone in their grief? If you were to say something to somebody who just feels so alone, and it's like you know nobody gets it. Is this is this gonna get easier? Just like a few words, like if that person is listening, most likely there is a person out there who will be listening to that from that perspective, who is struggling deeper in depression, maybe even you know self harm. What would you say to that person? I mean, I think the a point takeaway is that that you're not alone, and and I mean that sounds very cliche, but to to realize that, mm-hmm. not like like just like 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 we have found other people who share the same trauma that we've been through, but yeah. I'm sure like in your household there's people who have shared that trauma, right? So like mm-hmm. if you've lost a family member, there's other family members who felt that, right? Yeah. So yeah. you can find solace there. If you don't want to connect with them, you can find you know friends or family that mm-hmm. that were that have gone through that, and those feelings are meant to be processed. Yeah. So find out how to process those those feelings, right? Yeah. If not, 
they'll fester and they'll lead to a darker place that you don't want to be in right so you know say their name you know say you know the, remember the, the remember the good times right and try to try to work through those feelings you you are definitely not not alone in that suffering you know I feel like it's it's definitely hard it's definitely tough mm -hmm. um a lot of this is still very fresh for me, so I'm trying to understand yeah. this entire aspect of it and like trying to figure out how to navigate through it. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like one, one thing that makes it tough for my entire family, especially my little brother, is um, like a couple weeks before, uh, um, or like a few weeks before my mom had passed away, mm -hmm. um, my parents and my little brother's um, parent-in-laws um, mm -hmm. had kind of met and decided, um, like, you know, like, bought Bucky to, like, make it official, yeah. um, and, like, get the nikah out of the way, um, so, like, my mom could experience that, and, like, you know, be a part of that, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and, uh, my mom, um, was, like, the, the one chosen to select the date, and she just, she selected January 13th, mm -hmm. um, for, like, the day my little brother and, like, my sister-in-law to have, like, mm -hmm. their nikah, their kitab, mm -hmm. um, and um, that was the um, the weekend where we, you know, we're supposed to have celebrations. There were already like you know decorations kind of going up around the house. Mm. Um, like you know, certain families were invited, so it was supposed to be like a very intimate uh, moment. Um, and the morning of January thirteenth, um, which was supposed to be the day of the nikah, was um, the morning my mom took her last breath. Mm. Um, so. You know, it was very difficult for my little brother um, and sister-in-law yeah. and for a family because here we're getting ready to prepare um, and have this experience with our mom yeah. to celebrate. Yeah. Um, but Allah had something else in mind. Yeah. Um, and I think what's kind of helped me is something my dad's kind of echoed to all of us is um, definitely talk to people we need to talk to and um, know that we're not alone and like, you know, like, you know, make sure you pray and like you know do whatever you can to continue challenging yourself um, to kind of be a stronger person than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, aside from all of that, understand that uh, the concept of like alhamdulillah for Islam, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, as a Muslim, like you know, mm -hmm. like I recognize, uh, like you know, what my family recognizes that um, you know we um, are all going to experience death one day. It's it's more so think about it like you know it's time for you to meet your Lord, um, yeah. versus um, like you know leaving yeah. um, like this materialistic world, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he just kind of tries to add that perspective yeah. for us every time, just to kind of keep things in shape Islamically, um, just so we can find comfort in that mm -hmm. and know that inshallah one day as a family we'll be reunited in Jannah, you know inshallah. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what's helped me so far, yeah. um, but I'm definitely still trying to understand all of this yeah. myself, yeah. so. Definitely, and I think, you know, like, as you guys are talking, it's just, like, it's, like, it's a process. It's a process. Day by day, you're figuring it out. Something may work today. Maybe a year from now, it doesn't work, and it's okay to keep growing and being flexible and, and seeing what works and it doesn't, and I think the biggest thing here is, like, you're not gonna fix your grief, maybe by reading a book or watching a TED Talk mm -hmm. or going to a seminar or praying, you know, um, one dua, and I think that's really important because by by honoring that in terms of like this is your parent this is somebody who's passed away who was half of you 
who has made up your identity and this is not somebody who can all the the all the sadness and all everything that kind of surrounds that is not something that can be taken away as quickly so healing and a journey of like honoring is very 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 important and so um yeah so that's pretty much the end of it is there anything that you guys want to add last words or does anybody want to say a dua I mean, this is this is not a dua, but something I use just like, you know, remind myself every day. You know, whether it's regarding trauma, uh, with like what yeah. I'm experiencing with my mom passing away, or anything in general, yeah. um, is uh, this is by Omar ibn al-Khattab that yeah. uh, no amount of guilt can change the past, and no amount of worry can change the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, go yes. easy on yourself, for the outcome of all mm-hmm. affairs is determined by God's decree. Mm-hmm. If something is meant to go elsewhere, it will never come your way. Yeah. But if it is yours by destiny, from it you cannot flee. That's just you know a reminder I tell myself on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and that's just something hopefully we can all take away. But I appreciate you guys sharing your moments and your thoughts and your experiences. <laughs> Thank you so so, much. so yeah. I, I hope this touches somebody who's I probably so. struggling with something similar. There's one point I just kind of wanted to add at the end. Um, I think it's interesting because sometimes people want to navigate this in a very spiritual way trauma which is great but then there's people who kind of come to us who are grieving and say that you know spiritually we shouldn't grieve it's not you know it's not what we should be doing right now and I think that that's a complete lack of understanding of like yes. of, of, of what Islam teaches about yes. processing our, our trauma right so we look at we look at the Sira, we, we look at the life of our, of our beloved prophet Muhammad right? and then he, he suffered a lot of trauma in his life yes, and yes, yes. he went through um, you know, he cried. He felt. He felt. Uh, he felt sadness. Right. The there's an entire year called Amin Hosen, Right, and, and a year of depression he went through because people in his life that he loved, he lost them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not about not feeling sad. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's totally fine. It's just that how do we ground ourselves in that sadness and yeah. and realize that yes. it's part of something much larger than ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say that last part again. How do we ground ourselves? Yeah, so it's 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 not about it's about how do we ground ourselves in the trauma that we're suffering, right? Yeah. That it's part of something larger. That yeah. and 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 how do we navigate? Because ultimately, like 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 Heather mentioned, right? So this is something. Death is something that all of us are going to experience, right? Yeah. So it's not an ending. It's a beginning yeah. for for someone else's journey. We're gonna we're gonna get there. Yeah. And if we keep that in mind, it's like okay, mm-hmm. and that there there's it's it's not it's not as terrible and not as painful. If you look at it kind of like in, the, in the larger sense, yeah. it's still sad, yeah. but yeah. you know it, it, it helps. So may Allah subhanahu wa guide all of those around us who are struggling, who are unable to get out of bed in the morning, mm-hmm. who are unable to go to work. Mm-hmm. May they be blessed to get the courage to continue to live the lives that they dream of. Mm-hmm. May they find the courage to not feel stuck in what has happened to them see that they are an amazing individual who can continue to thrive. Mm. May they find courage around them. May they find compassion for themselves Mm. around them. Mm. May they see that self-care is not something to feel guilty about. And may their parents or whoever it is that they have lost around them receive the highest place in Jannah, inshallah. And may our parents, all of our parents, as well as the ancestors of others around us, be blessed with the highest place in Jannah. Mm -hmm.